1: Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com, or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk, Sandy. Dustin Schuler, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, my good friend?
2: Hey, I'm good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, We're going to talk some ATVs tonight.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about it.
1: That's awesome. Hey, I was reading, you know, I don't always, I don't always do this, but I was reading a little bit of your bio. Um, and it talks about you getting involved in starting this in 93. How did all that transpire?
2: Yeah, that's uh, so growing up as a kid, we never could afford to have four wheelers and things like that. And um, I worked my butt off, you know, to save up money, to get my first quad. And it wound up being a, a, a Honda 250X. Uh, there were some guys local to me that had was racing quads, and I bought my first Dirt Wheels magazine, and and uh, I thought, man, I gotta I gotta try this. So uh, I let those guys sort of help me out a little bit, and um, I so I, I go to my first race not knowing what it is. Uh, it was the '93 ATV Motocross National <laughs> at Muddy Creek. Uh-huh.
0: Oh wow. <laughs>
2: my very first race ever uh on a <laughs> on a 250x. So um that was that was an experience all of its own but um it was it was pretty cool. Uh it turned out to be I think probably the all-time muddiest ATV national there ever was. It rained for 3 straight days, which probably worked out to my favor because my 250x was mostly stock and uh and I, I think I signed up. In fact, I know I signed up in the, the four-stroke B class at the time. And I finished fifth overall that weekend, um, which was cool because it was a national, you know. And um, and I was just absolutely hooked at that point.
1: I remember being at Muddy Creek. And I, I'm not – I'm fuzzy on the year. It's 95, 96, and it was a mud fest. I mean, there were 14 inches of water standing on the pro line, you know. Yeah. I, I remember we, we brought motors, fresh motors, you know, cause it was just that time of the year. Yeah. All those fresh motors home with us in the same boxes, you know, all yeah. rebuilds. Uh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It was, there was about four or five years there that, that it seemed like it rained every year at Muddy Creek. It, it surely lived up to its name.
1: If I never went back to Muddy Creek ever again.
2: It's it's sort of funny. I I was just I've always been um, that era of ATV racing. I, I guess I'm sort of stuck in the '90s, if you will, uh, because I remember so many things. I was just in love with that with the sport at that time, and and I I can remember um, Greg Stewart uh, won that national that that first year I was there in the mud. That was, and, uh, it was it. Had to have been the same time because he won the 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 one we were there and that would have been it then that would have been it and travis seems like travis spader won a moto on a stock pc or a stock 250r that was the first time he raced a two stroke cuz he'd been racing pro m four stroke before that
1: i don't remember that part but i know that i know that uh greg stewart just freaking and put it Yeah. everybody he came out with stock tires nobody well, that was right tires he was the only guy um that's right You know, it it was just it was just a mess. And I I was working with Doug Eichner, and I think Mark Earhart and um, Aaron Duggan. Yeah, and I I don't believe that any of them finished.
2: (laughs) Five guys that finished the race. Yeah, it was bad. It was one of the worst I've ever I'd ever seen for sure.
1: Unbelievable.
2: But it was just that. That time just um it, it wasn't long, you know, after that until uh until I switched over to a two stroke and then it was just on from there, you know, just the 250R became my my thing and, and uh learning as much as I could about it and and learning, you know, all the pros and, and uh going to all the nationals. It was just, just a great time, that's for sure. How many years did you travel the nationals? So I traveled the Nationals, obviously starting right there in 93 uh, until about 2000. and Well, in fact, 2003, almost right at 10 years exactly that I traveled the Nationals full time. Um, because once, once everything went to the four strokes, 2004, when Honda came out with a 450R, um, I started just going to Nationals sort of hit and miss. But, but for that 10 years, I was there the whole time.
1: Did you transition back to the four stroke, or did you, or did you stop when the two stroke went away?
2: So just like everybody else, I I practically gave away all my two fifty R's and bought four fifty R's. Should we just and
1: we stop talking
2: now? I know, right?
1: <laughs> really? um, I'm hurt. I'm I'm really hurt. You know, I'm I'm hurting right now.
2: Or or maybe I'm hurting for you right now instead of a hurt. Oh, trust me, trust me. Um I, I built the four strokes. They just weren't for me. Um and and then it was, oh my gosh, I gotta go back and find two fifty Rs. And so the two fifty R thing, I mean, I know you're familiar with how that patch worked, but they went down in value. They went up in value, they went back down in value you they're insane um but the two strokes were just always my thing now i will have to say i later got into um to hybrids i now have two um they may be four strokes but they're 250r base four strokes i've got a, a walsh and a lager uh 250r with the crf 450 dirt bike motors in them and i'm a bigger guy i'm six foot five and weigh about 265 and uh even back when I was racing, I weighed about two thirty-five. So that, that, uh, those big four strokes now are easy for me to ride. And, and I still what, ride, believe it or not.
1: So what you're saying is you're a little guy.
2: You're yeah. A little- I'm a little guy. <laughs> that's right. I, I'm not, I'm not Shane hit. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you carry Shane around in your
2: pocket. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh,
1: that's too funny. his I remember when we were going back to the nationals and it was the little guys had all the success. You know, you were yeah. 160 pounder, you know, five, six, five, seven at the max, you know, if if, if they were getting uh, you know any heavier than 160 you're like, "Oh, you know, I don't know, you're going to have to go on a diet."
2: Exactly. Yeah. That was always that was always my my hold up. The um the starts killed me, especially when it was you know 265. I, for the most part I ran um Curtis Sparks engines back in my 250 uh well right at the end of two actually in 250 B when I was running 250 B I ran CT engines uh because I Brian McKinney was a local pro to me and I got his hand-me-down stuff. Um, and then once I went to the 250A class, um I started running some Curtis Sparks stuff. And uh, but even even with you know good engines. I was a big guy, you know, and it was so hard to get a good hole shot against those little guys. And um, so that was a disadvantage, the, but there was an advantage in the fact that like as, as long as my arms and legs were and stuff and as big as I was, I could soak stuff up that those guys couldn't, I could get through whoops that those guys could, not um, you know, I could throw all this weight around and ha- I just had some leverage. So um it was always neat to pull up to the line and some kid look at me like you know what's this big guy going to do and then this big guy beat him so that was always pretty neat.
1: <laughs> did uh, not not to take away from the ATV did you because of your size play any football or any other sports?
2: I did. I actually played football. Um and I was a, I was a starter in high school football. Um but but funny thing that you you asked um my senior year of high school right before um, football started, my coaches pulled me in and, uh, this was, this would have been right about the time that it was time to go to Loretta's that year. And, uh, my coach pulled me in before the season and said that he heard that I was racing motocross. And I said, yeah. And he said, um, well, you can race motocross or you can play football, but you're not going to do both. Right. And, um, needless to say, I I did not play football my senior year, which, you know, is, But um, the racing took me a long time.
1: The racing is what you love, huh? You still there? We're having a glitch in the Wi-Fi, but
0: we'll cut it out. Start the audio
2: again, you got it. I'm there now. there you go.
1: Well, I wonder what's going on because it's like when you reset it it, it goes
2: yeah, it's crazy. it's crazy.
1: Hmm. well, we'll cut that we'll 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 edit as much as we can and 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 I'll just uh I'll just make a point to uh let Valeria know that she's got to do that um
0: okay, sounds good.
1: you also worked with some of the pro teams, didn't you
2: uh, well not necessarily proteins, but I mean, in a way, um so uh, a little bit of history. Um, in ninety seven, my dad found out he had brain cancer um and that was a pretty devastating time, you know, and I don't know who I, I, to this day, I have no idea how he found out, but Darren nacarado um found out about it and just gave me a call one day, um, which was really cool. And, and obviously meant a lot to me. And, um, and my dad wound up passing away uh, in 97. So um, in 98 or start of 98 season, uh, Darren reached out to me and actually I apologize. Sean Cermony, uh reached out to me and they said, you know, hey, we want you to ride for Team Naxx, and this wasn't just, you know, a little discount on parts like a lot of people got. This was a big deal, you know, they, they, uh, I say big deal, it was a big deal for the time, you know, they gave me the Blue Mayor plastic, if you'll remember, the first graphics kits that people really were ever using, and and then I got all of the different Naxx products, like their hubs, you know, and case savers, and different things. And then I did get a sizable discount. And then they, they hooked me up with other sponsors, you know, um, Douglas wheels and tag handlebars and uh, FMF exhaust and things like that. And I was, I've never been so happy in my life, you know? And, um, and so then the 98 season, I I switched over and and Sean actually told me, he said, man, he said, "I know the premier class is two fifty a but you're a big guy. We need to get you on big bore motors <laughs> so so I switched over and and ran that open A class that year and won the national championship that year but um and then the next year we went into two fifty a I actually got in pretty good shape and he got me an f m f motor um I forgot about the f m f motor, but yeah, that's the route we went and um, I think I wound up finishing fourth or fifth was probably the best I ever did in the grand national, that was TT and motocross. And speaking of being big, you know, obviously TT, it really killed me being big in TT, but I I enjoyed TT racing. Um, so, um, but then after that I transitioned into, um, I was sort of phasing. When I started to phase out of like the full-time racing on my own, they asked me, uh, Jim and Shirley asked me to be the amateur team coordinator. So, so I got guys like Jason, there was a kid named Jason Rich from down in Georgia. And then uh, I introduced George Cortez, who I know you, you know that is the media all star guy, um, to to Jim and Shirley, and and um, I'm trying to remember Nate Nate Leverins and Nate Fries. We had a few guys that was on the team, and I was sort of the amateur team guy. And then of course later on, uh, George started his own team, the media all star team, and and I was sort of an alumni member of that team. So. Um, but I've I've also, you know, just become friends and been been, been around a lot of those pro guys and uh still to this day I talked to Shane maybe a week or so ago. That's awesome.
1: Uh so yeah. how did you get involved with Randy Dinkins?
2: <laughs> so Randy, uh, you know, he's he's from the same state. We're both from North Carolina. And um I'm he's not gonna hold quad right, 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 right. Okay. No, he's uh he's a quad war guy, as you as you know. And um I think the quad war thing comes when you get old, you know, it's a, it's a way to be a, (laughs) it's a way to be a rock star. You know, you get to get out there and sign autographs and feel like you're some, you know, you're Jeremy McGrath or somebody for the night. But, um, but that's Randy, that's his gig. As you know, I mean, he's the, the quad, the, the quad wars, King of the world. And, um, we just met a lot of years ago. I did a few shows for him and still to this day he'll call me every once in a while and um and ask me to do a show that's within an hour or so of my home. You know, I I'll, I'll go do one that's close by just to just to have fun with him.
1: So you take your hybrids or does he provide you with a bike?
2: Oh, he's not going to provide me with a bike. He knows uh-huh. he, he 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 don't he don't want to get beat with one of his own bikes, you know, when we're doing those shows. But uh but no, I actually Typically, when I do those shows, I'll take one of my 250Rs because you've always got some of the the old guys in the crowd that appreciates 250R. So it's pretty neat.
1: I don't think you could go anywhere in this industry. I I don't care what country, what continent, where you are, and not have people ooh and ah all over a it. 250R. Yeah,
2: it's it's pretty cool. I, the the 250R itself is is you know that era that we're talking about. You know, 90 the early 90s through early 2000s just just no, but then the 250R itself that's where my passion's at um I've probably literally had 500 250Rs um anything you can imagine every chassis you can imagine um in fact I'm building something right now that's pretty pretty sweet it's a brand spanking new um wash. uh and when I say new um every part on its new old stock or you know brand new there's nothing used on it and it's it's really going to be a, a showpiece but i'm going to ride it <laughs> are you
1: going to be living in the back of a toyota pickup soon
2: <laughs> i may have to <laughs> but no it's um it's i'm just saying I
1: just... <laughs> the, the, the new old stock parts are worth more than gold
2: i i know and it's a, a lot of a lot of times I think about it and I think, man, I'm stupid for even putting this bike together. Um, I'm really stupid that I'm going to ride it, but you know what? That's what it's. And I take care of stuff, you know, you know, as well as I do, when you take care of something and you maintain it correctly and you clean it correctly, and you ride it in the correct conditions, uh, this thing will be, it'll be gold no matter what. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I'll have to say though, it's, when you open up a brand new caliper that you could sell for five 500 bucks, you know, it's like, ah, oh, should I use it or sell it? You know?
1: Yeah, I'd be struggling to rebuild that used one and and, paint it <laughs> put
2: it and sell that new one. That's exactly. Right. I, 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 I get it.
1: You know, I mean, I love new parts, but, um, th- there, there's a, a deal. We have a, we have a 18 Lobo 250R in storage for a customer. It's yeah. It's been started it's ran 15 minutes and it's sitting there it's all it's all new refreshed yeah uh, and that's, and the customer said you are not allowed to put it in the dirt
2: that's funny that's funny well i that's another thing too um and i, I think i probably i probably know who it is that that you have that is if, if it's from somebody from overseas maybe um but um that that's that two fifty R world. Believe it or not, is huge right now, um, and it's because of Facebook. There's so many little Facebook groups, um, and there's a lot of nice. There's a lot more nice quads out there. Two fifty R's. That is more than anything than people realize. That's for sure.
1: Well, back in and I believe it was ninety eight, was when we got this information, and this is a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, in '98 they estimated there were a million Banshees in the United States. Right. '89,
0: '98. Okay. They c- cannot count the 250Rs. They
1: can tell you how many were sold. Right. They tell you how many that we've built.
0: That's crazy, isn't it?
1: And it's, it, I guarantee it's well over a million.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And and what's cool. I was just watching, I was just looking today. Um, a guy on one of the, the Facebook groups posted one that he found in a barn. He was delivering some like the, farm supplies. The to the guy. Street one? No, no, that's, that's another one. I saw that one. I also saw that one today and the guy, and it was so funny. Like, this is definitely not you know self-proclaimed but i've sort of become the the 250r historian <laughs> in a lot of ways and it's not just me there's there's a handful of guys out there that that know these bikes like the back of their hand and but the guy with the lost creek one was was messaging me today actually and a couple other guys because he found tim Farr's name inscribed on the shocks and somebody said oh no tim Farr never ran a, a wide frame leger with stock linkage on the back and i I had to voice and say, yes, he did. <laughs> uh in 90, in nine, I think it was 95 when he won his first grand national championship. I, I may be off on my year, but I'm pretty sure it was 95. And uh he did it actually that year on a stock frame. And um with a pro trax front end and a Lager swing arm. But the very next year he did a he had a, Mark Leger built him a wide frame front. Uh, with the stock link rear so but it's cool these bikes are still popping up they're you know they're just people have kept them you know
1: i couldn't put my finger on it but i know that bike yeah and it's not just because i just don't remember whose it was and for the i've been racking my brain since i saw that pic- picture i know yeah. that bike. i just can't tell you exactly who do you know who it was
2: yeah I don't. I don't. I, I mean, if it was Dunks or, or, or uh, you know, one of those guys, uh, there was also a kid that rode for Lost Creek that I raced against in the 258 class named Justin Shawver. He was from up that way, and I was thinking it might have been his, but I, there's just really no way to know because that number doesn't, the number that was on the bike doesn't tell me anything, unfortunately.
1: That's the thing that, that, that rung with me was the number. I mean, they all look the same, but the number I was like, gosh, I know who that is and why can't I think of it? Um, yeah. But over the years, you know, there were so many different people that, mm-hmm. you, you know, just because I, you know, I am a Duncan, so I'm wearing the Duncan flag. And, and just, sure. Yeah. Just because I'm running that flag doesn't mean I didn't know these guys and didn't interact with them or interact with them. Because we did. We talked to them. I, I remember going um, – we used to go to the TT race in uh, Pennsylvania. Did
0: uh-huh. Name Chal- Challenger?
1: No. Nope.
0: Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember which one it would be if it wasn't Challenger. Um might have been
1: Challenger, but th- th- we never got any traction there. But I remember
2: I – think, I think you're probably talking about Challenger Speedway.
1: It might have been. But it had – what was the name of the town?
2: Uh, it was in Indiana, Pennsylvania, Indiana.
1: Indiana. Okay. Yeah, I hated that place. <laughs> we could never, no matter what we did, we could never get traction. I don't care yeah. what swing arm, what tire combination, how we set the shot, we never. I could never get traction when I was working with Eichner or when I was working with Spader. Yeah, but I remember the the group. Somebody came out with one of those little whistle footballs with the with the tail yeah. on it. Yeah. We must We must have thrown that from from pit to pit to pit <laughs> all day. One day, uh, I think it was on a Friday or a Thursday and yeah. bouncing off people's bikes as they're trying to work on them. And we uh, yeah. as a collective group, I think we had more fun that day than any of the other days because, you know, I'm building bikes and Doug's over there throwing the ball and then yeah. throwing it back. And, you know, and, and you're not trying to hit the guy working on the bike. <laughs> but you're not, but, it not happens. Trying, but you're not, not trying to get the guy working on the bike too.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that's what a lot of people will never realize that the racing was serious. No question about it. And it was, it was cool, but there was a lot of fun off the track. Um, just there was a level of camaraderie. At least I feel like then that it just, it just isn't there anymore. Like it was, you know, it was, it was different.
1: Um, I think that for, I I haven't traveled back East to the nationals in a while. Um, yeah, I, I wish I could. And, and trust me, I'm doing all the things that I can to, to be mobile with the, with the show and to do things to get out. But when I talk to these guys, there's generally no animosity until the green flag drops and right. Uh, then there's definite
0: yeah yeah
1: definite elbows out knees out you know we're not we're not going to get close we're, we're not friends um, and all especially you know I know Chad and Joel are fierce competitors right from everybody back those guys are all friends
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: it's it, it if you look back at the '90s and you you know, talk to the Spaders and the Hit and the car and the Gust. And you know, Eichner and and uh, I mean Natalie and you just keep naming the names. Yeah, you know Bird, you know Dunkelberger, You start adding them all up, and you just you yeah. just add all these guys together. At different times, you saw them all together. Correct. This is what you see with this younger group of pros. Yeah, you, you see them training at the same facility. And
2: the only That's I know, true.
1: The only reason I know this is because. I've got to speak to so many of them and have them on the show. And I think the camaraderie is going to bring the sport back.
2: Well, that's good because that's what it takes. I mean, that's, again, that's what, that's what it used to be, you know? So um, I think that's the best thing for it. And, and everybody wins.
1: Yes. I, I totally agree. You know, not, I know we've gotten a little bit off here, but I think we're having a great, a great conversation. Mm -hmm. Have you talked, to anybody in the Nacarado camp lately?
2: No, I have not. In fact, um, I reached out a while back. Um, there was a guy posted that said he lived in the same town as, as Jim and Shirley. And I reached out to the guy to, you know, just to see if I could get a hold of them because they were good to me. They were very good to me. And, and, uh, I think I sent you a picture of me standing there talking to Jim and Shirley at, at the Danville, Virginia TT National, and um, I love those guys, but I never heard back from them, you know, so I think when they stepped away, buddy, they stepped away.
1: And, you know, in in the circumstances and some of the things that went on in that circle, I don't know all the details, but you have to know that uh, it's, it's
2: it's a bittersweet for them. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. That was a tough time for sure.
1: I mean, it, it affected all of this. Yeah. It, it affected us on the West coast. You know, Lauren spoke to Darren quite a bit. I, mm-hmm. I personally did not. Um, I yeah. developed into that role in the company. Um, uh, uh-huh. and you know, I had a distant relationship with him. I, I kind sure. of, that I never got to know him, uh, yeah. like that.
2: Uh-huh. Well, for me, it, it was sad that that's the only way I got to know him was because of that. But at the same time, it was one of the coolest things in my life. You know, it, it helped me through a, a pretty tough time, to be honest. And um, after that, I dealt with his mom and dad, you know, and um, it was it was cool. They were good people and uh, they they had a business to run. They had a team to run, but they were they were a family. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I, I couldn't believe they took it back over after, after Darren passed and, and, you know, they kept it going for as long as they could.
2: Right. Right. So I think, I don't think, um, I, I know as far as the max company, there's really not a company anymore. They sold their inventory and I think whoever bought their inventory, um, still maybe sells a few parts on eBay under that name, um, but that's, that's it. I actually built about six months ago. I, it wasn't really a, a replica, a nax 250R replica by chance, but it was, a it was a, um, my Walsh hybrid. I, I did it up Nax style. I did silver plastic and had a, a special nax graphics kit made. And, uh, DJ at rocket hubs actually made me some new, um, with permission of the people that bought the Nax name, he made me some new Nax front hubs and, uh, that was pretty cool. That was, that was really cool. So I, I enjoy having that bike sit in the basement for sure.
1: And that's what, one of the ones you have now?
2: Yes. I, I one of the ones I have now for sure.
1: I, I didn't see that in the pictures. Did you send me that?
2: ah uh, i'm not sure if i did or not to, to tell you, you the truth
1: you need to send me that one even if, yeah. even if it's not even if it's not uh doesn't make any of the post i want to i want to see it
2: yeah and, for so, sure i'll send it to you it's cool did you go carbureted or fuel injected so i went carbureted these are these are so again i'm old school you know i like old school stuff so these are these are actually true era hybrids both of my hybrids are um the Lager, they're they're actually both 03 models, um, and they have O three dirt bike engines. Um, one's like I said, one's a full Lager Pro Tracks, uh, the other one's a full Walsh, and um, they're cool. They're cool. They 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 handle so great, and the power is just phenomenal. And they, of course, look old school, so they're neat bikes for sure.
1: That's all. Did you go with two fifty? St- tip, you went to two fifty r style plastics.
2: Oh yeah, Every, everything everything about it is is just like you would have seen sitting on pro row in 03. Yeah, we've so
1: we've, it's, not, we've not ventured into too much of the hybrid world. Right. Uh, we keep it into the production stuff. I think we yeah. cuz when you when you deal with the the way our company works is mm-hmm. uh, we're not set up with enough people to build the right. Um, it it just, we just don't have enough manpower. We just don't have enough time, but Lauren and I do everything. We touch everything.
2: Yeah. And that's, but, but, but see, that's, that's also very special that you guys do that. So, um, you don't need to venture out as far as I'm concerned, you know, stick with so, somebody told me a long time ago, stick with what, you know,
1: <laughs> I would love to build some of the, uh, I would love to take some of the newer four stroke motorcycle engines and put them in some chassis. Yeah. Uh, I I'm yeah. playing with, the, I'm flirting with it in my head of putting a fuel injected, uh, CRF motor in an O uh, six up chassis because yeah. we've been told and seen that it is not. As difficult as you would think,
2: yeah. Um, I think the uh, the the intake being higher and sort of pointing up in the back, maybe you know, you'd have to make a special tank for it. But otherwise, I think it'd be just about perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you got to do something something different. Yeah,
0: and,
1: yeah, and work with it. And I'm 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 game for that. I just don't know if my frame
2: sure. is game for that. I understand. <laughs>
1: you know, I mean, I I uh, have a 450R, which I've talked about on the show before sitting there as a frame and it's been sitting there as a frame and I've been collecting pieces and, and doing, yeah. things, but nothing's went together.
2: Well, that, that <laughs> happens. That happens. And, and, and it's when you've got a when you've got a lot of other things going on, that's just how it works. You know, you have to, that stuff sits off to the side, but you know, fortunately for me, it's, it's something that I can come home and, you know, it's not my it's like in your case, it's your profession. For me, it's it's a it's a hobby still. And so I can come home in the evenings and when, when I you know, I've got fourteen year old twin boys that play travel baseball all the time. So when I'm not doing that, I get to I can play with the four wheelers, you know. So it's it's pretty cool, that's for sure. It's just it's just a good thing. That's that's all I can say about that.
1: Let let me ask you a couple of questions about the boys. Are they as beautiful? Yeah. Big-
2: so yeah well not as big but they're 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 big boys they're uh they just turned 14 and they're already 6'1 <laughs> so Ooh. uh yeah so they're they're um and they love they love riding they both have um which they're not i, I didn't want to build them 250r's just yet so um <laughs> they both have really nice trx 450r's that are all decked out with you know all suspension not built motors because they're 14 you know and they're not racers so they've just got pipes on them but they've got the full suspension you know fox shocks and 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 they're more into how things look right now they don't really you know they like to go fast but they don't want to race and and it's so funny how generations are different they're the big thing they're into right now is the uh the crf 110 pit bikes um I i probably got as much money In in their pit boxes,
0: I it's crazy. That is crazy. We we hit a stumbling block. A stumbling block. Stumbling block. Now you're back.
2: Yeah, we're good. We we got it a little bit further that time, so that's good.
1: Hey, you know what? It's it's working, and and it's and it's fortunate that it's in pause moments. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At at the pit bike deal, it caught a little bit of that, which yeah, you know, having a lot of money in pit bikes is is crazy. I just posted um, for our promo videos. My son from lives in Idaho, and he was down with his with his son, and he's got a little CRF fifty motorcycle that he's going to teach his son how to ride. But we had to rebuild the top end. So, if you know anything about the history, my dad was involved back in sixty nine when the first three wheeler came in. So the motor technology design is is, is his forte, and yeah. we were rebuilding that motor, which is an upgrade of that style motor because the cam has bearings and there's some little nuances that they change, but it still goes together basically. Yeah. So I got to put the motor together for my son and with my son and, and we did a little promo videos for an episode. Uh, so that was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. And as long as you're spending time with them and doing that, that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Well, I'm looking at a suspended ATC 70 and a 1929 uh, Model T or Model A. Got, <laughs> that my dad is restoring.
2: So that's cool. That's cool.
1: 85 years old and has more projects going than he'll ever be able to finish.
2: I love that though. I love that. He's got something to look forward to and and enjoy. And he's got you guys there with him. So that's pretty cool.
1: Oh, we we try to keep him so busy that he has to tell us no.
2: <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs>
1: hey, but you know what? Pops hardly ever does that. I mean, he, Oh, you need that done. Okay. You set it right over there. A couple that's hours. That's good. Later, a couple hours later, he calls me and
0: goes, Hey, uh, you know that part you need? It's ready. That, that you can't beat that. That's for sure.
1: It, yeah. I, I mean, uh, we'll be lost. We'll be lost without him because he's yeah. just, uh, I mean, the founder and so many yeah. other things and techniques that we, that we build the focus of the company on, you know, our customer service platform comes
0: from, you know, his, his say when we were younger. Yeah. Well, that's it. And you're so blessed to have him, to still have him, you know, I know. So we just lost so that's one, pretty- long ago and, and that, that was rough on its own. Yeah. But, uh, we're, I'm
1: sure we're, uh, we're fighting to fight and fighting fight through. I know you've lived it and you still, I'm sure you live it every day.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of life. It gets better and, and it, you just, you just, you just go with it for sure.
1: Yeah. I didn't mean to bring it up, but
2: no, know. no, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah. So no, that's cool. I, I like, um, I like hearing that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, you gotta tell me I can see this in the background, just above your head. Nope, oh, the other way. Are those RC cars?
2: Oh, yeah, that's the boys rock crawlers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we they they like to play, that's for sure. That's for sure.
1: Uh, it's, they all get, about, they, it's all about having a lot of
0: toys, man.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely it is. It's uh it's pretty cool. The uh the boys, they were just here the other day and they were like, cause I went through a divorce a few years ago, get along great with the boy's mom. And so, you know, we shared custody of them. And so my house uh, built a new house about two years ago. And, and it's probably more of a bachelor pad because in my living room, I've got uh, Jeremiah Jones helmet and Shane hits helmet and some of my old Chewies and some, you know, different, different stuff. And the boys are like, dad, you got to get that out of your living room. (laughs) I'm like, why? It's cool. You know, exactly. Why? Yeah. Anybody that knows you, Anybody that knows you,
1: okay, if a woman's going to come into your life, she's got to know <laughs> who you are.
2: Right? That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> my, wife so, I,
1: my wife and I just got married in 2018. Uh huh. She had never been to an ATV race until 2019. So she didn't have really, she knew I was gone all the time. Right. And she set some guidelines for some things that, were super beneficial for my personal business that goes to the races, okay, as far as me um right and, and I for the first time in my life had to respect that because no other woman had ever said yeah, anything like that, so okay, <laughs> I, I agree, you know i I, I kind of get it you know that, that that's yeah. that's, a, that's a good plan, good deal, um, but in nineteen, she went to her first race, and on Saturday. You know, we got to the track it well, we got to the hotel at three in the morning and had some issues. You know, we were up a couple of times from the three to six a.m. time frame when we had to get up to come to the track. And right. It's about seven o'clock. We're in Lake Havasu. It's hot. It's still sunny. I'm still working. And she looked over at me and she goes, Um, are are we gonna go get dinner soon? <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, it's it's different. That's for sure.
1: Well, i I've been going to the races by myself, other than with one of the kids for you know thirty years. So I just never never dawned on me to even think about it.
0: Right, right. I mean, it's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, I had a I had a couple little projects I needed to finish before I could you know feel comfortable putting stuff in the trailer. Yeah. I looked at the schedule for the next day and I looked at her and I said, okay, picked up the tools, put the bikes in the trailer, you know, laid the easy ups down and said,
0: okay, we'll go. You know? Yeah.
2: Oh, it's, you know, you think back to all those times at the nationals when, you know, basically the the generators wake you up, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning and you're putting the finishing touches on a race bike at, you know, ten thirty at night fixing to load it in the trailer. You know, it's just uh, it's just the way it was. But it's a different kind of tired. You know, you, you don't really realize it because you're there to have fun and and get a job done and and, uh, and and make it happen. So it's just different. That's for sure.
1: I think that when you're in race mode, like you've lived and I've lived, where you're building bikes and prepping bikes and you're at the races with your friends even on the drive home your mind's prepping that bike or you're thinking about that new part you got to buy or you're running to the race through your head so you yeah yeah you may have got to get up in a couple hours and go to work but that the thrill of the weekend versus the thrill of getting ready for the race in 2 weeks you're not you're not as tired as you think
2: you're you're exactly right or for me it was always if you went to a national you got to remember there's three, 400 guys there and you always picked up some cool idea that you saw somebody else do. Or, you know, like I remember there was a, there was a good friend of mine from Kentucky named Josh Starrett. Uh His dad made some, mm-hmm. uh, the, the flip top, he made some bolt on flip top seat kits, man. I couldn't wait to get home and build myself a flip top seat kit for my stock frame. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, your mind, when you're leaving a race, your mind, it, it takes a couple days for, for uh everything to set in and, and get tired. You're you're really not as tired as you think because you you've got a lot of cool stuff going through your head.
1: <laughs> I love I love the ride home. Um, and because I traveled so much by myself, it was always the the list, the prep list going through my head. You know, what do I gotta start? You know, I know Monday. Yeah. When, when, as soon as I get off work on Monday, I'm diving into this, 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 and this, uh, because if I don't get them handled Monday, it won't be till Saturday till I get back to it. So I got, right. to, I got to knock it out now,
2: I, you know, I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. That's just, that's just a way of life, you know, when you're doing that. But, um, but yeah, so I i w I'll touch back on the, on the, uh, the racing back in that era, because I wanted to actually ask you a question. Okay, so, fine. So like, um, Earhart Eichner, do you still talk to those guys? Um,
1: Doug Eichner was the first episode on, uh, ATV talk. Um, okay, I, cool. I consider Doug one of my best friends in the whole world. We've had some, some ups and downs and, and he's had some uh things going on in his life that, that caused him to go a different direction. And, uh, yeah, but we're friends and cool. I, actually was text I wasn't talking to him, we were texting today. Um, but I try to reach out and, and interact with him either phone call or text one way or another. Uh almost almost every day or, or during the week. Um he's busy cool. Um Mark Earhart and I have reconnected via text messaging and emailing. Cool. Cool. Uh, probably over the last two months um through his brother in law who brought me carburetors to refurbish for trophy carts. The fuel in the trophy carts is cool. so it damages the carb. And uh, for some reason, I'm the guy they pick to go through them. And I'm, I'm not against it. I, I, I like working on carbs. I like doing it. And uh, um, I'm going to get Mark on the show and, and get him to talk about his life in ATVs. Yeah. You know that'll be that's uh,
2: that's that that will be a neat a neat deal for sure. I'll I'll tell you a cool story about I or not really a story about Eichner, but about a year ago there's a there's a kid local to me that races cross country, and and he's a when I say kid he's like 21 years old, but he's he's a 250R guy. He was raised with 250Rs, and he calls me uh probably a year or so ago, and he said, "Hey man, I just bought a Lobo." Uh, he said he found a Lobo, a, a full Duncan Lobo down in South Carolina. I don't know whose it was at the time as far as the GNCC part, but he had been told that it was a full factory Duncan race bike. And um, the the clutches were slipping in it a little bit. And he pulled the the, the the Duncan quick change cover off of it. And on the inside of that cover inscribed in there was Eichner. So, <laughs> it was it's just so cool to me how how that stuff you know it just how it, i mean that was in south carolina and how many years has that been you know so just again that's i think that's another thing that i just love about that 250r world that that's not that's not present with the the, the production stuff because there's just you know anybody can go out and buy a production bike and, buy, and put a bunch of bolt-ons on it but that old 250r stuff it's just it was just so far ahead of its time i think maybe or, you know it just it's just neat
1: well it was carried by the industry people the industry builders you know the engine builders the chassis builders the shock guys um the the, the people that raced you know the the uh, consumers and and that's who kept the industry going let me ask you if you are to look at the industry right now and you talk to the amount of people that you do do you hear any rustling in the bushes about new atvs
2: not at all not at all i don't hear anything and i and i still talk to a lot of people um and it would surprise you i, I definitely won't name names but it would it would surprise you people in the industry that i've dealt with in the past that that um this they're just into side by sides now that's their thing you know um or there are some, uh, and I don't mind mentioning this name, like you know, Arlen at LED. He's he's still all about those two strokes. Rob Selvey, he's still all about the two strokes. But then there's other guys that don't want anything to do with a two stroke. Um, you guys still build some two strokes, you know. There's it's it's cool. I, you don't really hear much anything new coming out, and I honestly think that's maybe why. There's been a resurgence in some of this two-stroke stuff, you know, and and guys, you know, seeing what they can do with it. And I don't know. I mean, if you saw the the Lost Creek bike, then I know you follow these some of these Facebook pages and groups and stuff. And um,
1: I don't really. Um, what happens is, um, there's there's and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not. I, I do some Facebook stuff because of ATV Talk and sure um grown-up toys i believe is what it's called 250r grown-up toys
2: yeah 250r grown for grown-ups or something yeah grown-ups for life or something yeah and
1: there's 250r riders for life
2: yeah yeah
1: Those those are the two 250r pages um uh and basically you're gonna laugh at this and but you're not you're gonna get it i'm connected there for parts
0: Absolutely, no. That makes perfect I, sense.
1: If I see something that I don't have anymore that I need, yeah, we we get it, and um, uh, it doesn't happen very often because we are we still have some stuff, but like everybody else, we mm-hmm. get a purge. Yeah, and lost thousands of dollars worth of parts. I, I
2: Absolutely, mean,
1: hard OEM hardware
0: yeah, OEM
1: hardware in the, in the, in the, that we got rid of that would have been worth
0: big money. Dollars yeah, because it was all
2: Well, and that's what I, you know, so many people did that, you know, so many people just got rid of that stuff and never dreamed that it would come back the way it is and be as hard to get and so on and so forth. So no, I, I get that. And, and, the, the Facebook platform, obviously that's a great place to buy and sell. I, I'm not, there's a lot of guys out there that sell a ton of stuff. I don't sell, you know, a lot of times I'll actually buy a bike if I see one advertised, well, not recently because they're, they've gotten out of hand, but you know, bikes will be for sale and I would buy one and sort of semi part it out just to get the parts that I needed, you know, or, or and then the cool thing is you wind up basically with the parts you needed for free because you cause you sold everything else by parting it out. But the cool thing about parting those bikes out is that you know everybody wins. There's yeah. so many guys that get to re you know, put a neat neat new part on their bike. You know? So that's what's really good about Facebook as far as that stuff goes.
1: Let me let me ask you to elaborate on what you made a comment about it the pricing being out of control. Uh-huh. Can I ask how can you calculate out of control?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I guess I'm not sure how you could calculate it, but I mean, like for instance, um knowing what you could buy used, let's just say used 250 Rs for 5 years ago versus what people are listing them for now, um it's 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 just a humongous increase. Let's just say that.
0: Um and I think go ahead, keep going.
2: No, no, I was just, I mean, one of the small things that's going on right now, it's the same thing that's going on even with new bikes. And and as silly as this may be, it was COVID. Um, like local dealers, everybody was selling out of pit bikes, for instance, uh, because people had a little extra money, kids were stuck at home, parents were buying things. And a lot of that that stuff has just gone up since in that time period. And I think the 250Rs are just right there with it. But the, the thing that I think's really happened more with the, the 250Rs being so valuable right now, or we'll say at least we'll just say high priced is if you think about it, someone that's say my parents' age, they grew up with with sixties models Camaros, we'll say. And when they got older and got to where they could actually afford (laughs) to buy another one, they were expensive, but they bought them. So, so for me, I was a kid who I'll never forget when I was, when I first started racing, I had one four wheeler. It was my race bike. It was my practice bike. It was everything. You know, there were, there were a handful of guys like, and I'll use his name again, Brian McKinney. He was a great friend of mine. He was, he came from a family that he he could afford to have. He had a TT bike. I mean, you you had arrived when you had a TT bike, a race motocross bike, and a practice motocross bike, and and he had that stuff, you know. But I didn't, and that's okay. But what I'm saying is, is now that I can afford bikes, I want to buy them again. You know what I'm saying? So so it's it's just I feel like it, it that alone has made stuff more expensive because you know what, if people are willing to pay it. It's it is what it is, you know.
1: Well, let's 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 go a little deeper into the conversation than uh I didn't intend it to go here, but that's it's great. Um if you go back to what a race lobo cost, and I basically I know because that's mainly what we dealt with. Sure. We did a little bit of Lager mansion stuff and a little bit of Lager Two HR stuff, but we were mainly
2: Lobo. Mainly Lobo, yeah.
1: So when you rolled that logo off the showroom floor and and I would have to say out when I'm rolling it out of the shop floor for the first time for the customer to do debut it or go to the magazines to get photos, the price tag was thirty two to thirty four thousand dollars in two thousand and three yeah, so right yeah. now if you if you do the cost of living increases and figure out what they're what they're going to run. They're underpriced
0: so so
2: that caliber of a bike, yes, it is I agree with that i guess what I guess when I say higher price i'm I'm more referring to I've just got one on my mind right now a guy that's just recently built completely refurbished i should say a stock frame 250r and he's won 15 grand for it that just you know it just seems high you know what I'm saying it's we just, just told, it's a lot of it's we
1: just sold one for nineteen.
2: There you go. I mean, it's, it's, so that's, that's, it's a lot of money, but at the same time, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have 20, I probably have 20, 23,000 in this wash when I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get it. I get it, but it's just, it's getting harder to find parts. They're more expensive, but if you want to do it, it's out there and you can, you can find it. And there, listen, I'm, when it comes to the having two fifty R yard bikes and stuff, there's some guys out there. There's a friend of mine in Massachusetts. There's a friend of mine in West Virginia. These guys, there's some guys out there that have got some really unbelievable collections that would make mine look silly. Um, That
1: being said, that being said, those collectible, those collection guys, how do Uh you get
2: in touch with them? How do you get in touch with them? Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, like for instance i mean facebook i have to say through groups through time i mean you know again i've been doing this a long 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 time you know and and been on facebook a long time and dates back to the what was it atvriders.com uh forum days on you know online and um these guys have just they're just like you and i they they love the history of it the 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 guy in west virginia that i'm friends with um, he's well known in the, at least on the Facebook pages and stuff. He, he's a, he's a more of a GNCC guy. He's a cross country, uh, historian, I guess you would call him. And, um, he's not, he has built several replica bikes, but at the same time, he also has. Like, um, he has a Chad Duval bike that, that was a Duncan Lobo. Um, and it's the real deal. Uh, he has one of Bob Sloan's, um, bikes that he's redoing right now um so there's some guys out there i know you i know you're talking about okay so if you know what i'm talking about then then i mean these guys is so cool
1: i still don't know how to get hold of him
2: (laughs) well offline i'll let you know i'll get i'll put you in touch with him okay perfect but uh He's uh he's a good guy. And uh but yeah, there's some guys out there that have just got some really nice stuff. I've I've been talking with a friend of mine up in Canada that I've met through through these forums. He's he's a motocross his, history type guy. He's building a um I think he's got one of Jeremiah Jones' old bikes. He's building a, a Gary Denton Lager bike. I don't know how how much of it is true Denton. I think the frame and maybe the Olean shocks are Gary Denton. So there's some guys out there that's building some, you know. I think just keeping that that era alive is is what I love seeing and and um knowing that there's some guys out there that's doing that that's that's pretty special.
1: I agree. I love it and and I'm glad that it's still going. It, it's hard. It's it, it it's really hard because when you take a guy like me and you take a guy like Lauren we're traditionals in what we did and what we do and if right. you look at what we build now and look what we did build then it's similar.
2: Yeah. Because yeah.
1: we'll think what we built then is as good as it, it, anything there is today.
2: Yeah. I, and, I think so too. Yeah.
1: And it, it breaks my heart when you see on some of the forums, the guys going to people that they weren't doing this then. They're, right. they're 20 years, 25 years behind the curve.
2: That's crazy, isn't it? I okay. mean, but it's, 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 it's so true. It's so true. But, um, yeah, no, I see I the other thing too, is that that, that
0: old, do you talk to myself much?
2: Do I talk to Mike Walsh? Is that what you said? Yeah. I actually talked to Mike last week. Um, mm-hmm he he uh he asked me to send him some pictures of this walsh that i'm building and uh, i sent him some pictures now and I, and i want to make it clear i did not originally buy all of this walsh stuff mm-hmm. uh there was a guy uh another friend of mine in massachusetts that had had been i guess we'll say collecting all the the new old stock parts and the chassis and and all the different things for about 5 or 6 years he'd been collecting everything and i and i just happened to call call him on a whim to see if he was interested. I had heard he had a Walsh chassis and, uh, I called him on a whim to see if he wanted to sell that chassis. And he said, yeah, I'll sell it, but I want to sell the whole, everything I've been collecting for it. Cause he sort of, I think he was just sort of burned out, you know, on it. And so one thing led to another next thing I know it's getting shipped here in crates and I'm the one putting it together. So, but it's, uh, but I did, I talked to Mike, uh, last week. He is super excited about it. Um, he told me just to to please keep sending him pictures of it as it goes together. Um, it's I'm waiting on shocks from Wayne, which God knows how long that's going to take. Um, you, and uh, how old are you now? Uh, yeah, right. I know where you're going with that. I'm 45. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I'm waiting, you know, Shane. Shane was his boy and Shane can't even get his shocks for his new bike he's building. So you know, but, it's um,
1: nothing against Wayne, nothing at all against. No, Wayne. no, I'm, I'm picking because none of the shock guys can provide.
2: Right. Right. It's, it's tough to get parts. It's, it's, and, and it's, and it's also, it's, it's just like you and, and Lauren, I mean, when somebody's wanting to put their hands on everything, it's, it's a slow process, you know, I mean, uh, but, but you also get what you pay for and that's why I ordered them because that's what, you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted the best. I've always been a PEP guy. I've had other stuff I've ran. I've never really ran anything other than Axis and PP, but that's what I wanted. So, but it's this, this thing's going to be cool. It really will be. And, uh, I'll I'll definitely send you some pictures and keep you posted as it, as it comes along. Um, And uh, oh,
1: going with this is Mike. I had a conversation with Mike, and uh-huh. not being really a a a, a, um, a developer in that era, mm-hmm. but being a developer after that era, uh huh. Or which what you could uh, let's get into the Facebook world, a content creator now, right? Okay, his thought processes and some of the things that he does. And when he goes back and looks at the old stuff and builds the new machines that he builds, uh, he was, he was really affected by Doug roll and Mark
2: Lager. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I remember back again, going back a long time ago, I was at Mount Morris, Pennsylvania and, and Mike Walsh was riding And if you remember, there was, it wasn't just called Pro-Am. It was called Super Modified Pro-Am. There was a, the Super Modified Pro-Am class was what it was called.
1: Right after Doug and I stopped traveling back there.
2: Uh, Okay. Well, they, they had that class and Mike's dad was an old, um, like drag race chassis builder. Yep. And so I think that's where it came from. And they just built that chassis. And I, and I asked, I'll never forget. I asked Mike point blank. I said, is it, what is this chassis patterned after? And he said, it's, it's, it's a Walsh. It's our own chassis, but he said, it's, it's very much influenced by by a little bit of Lager and a little bit of roll. So just what you said, you know, and um, I'll tell you something that's neat about this Walsh I'm building Uh, and again, I didn't order it. It's, but it's cool that the technology's there. They set the A-arms up to use the LTR 450 spindles and, and calipers and brakes. Well, you know, to, to just get that a little bit, you know, more of a modern twist to it. So I'm real excited about that as well. It'll, um, it'll be a neat, it'll be a neat thing to keep, uh, keep everybody updated on for sure.
0: That's
1: awesome. I love the, uh, I love the conversations about the old stuff. You just, you just can't, I just can't get enough of it. Um, Right. I I think that's where the podcast comes from is, you know, for years and years, I've always wanted to know things. And I've always wanted to talk to people and you're reluctant to reach out and just have a conversation because believe it or not, Sometimes my last name is a hindrance. I can
2: understand that.
1: Yeah. Calling people that you normally don't talk to or, or in different circles in the industry. They're like, Hey, what do you want? Now they understand what Uh I want. So it's, it's a totally different when I reach out to people now, it's, Hey, what are you doing? Yo, great. No problem. Let's let's connect and and do this Uh, Yeah, because they understand I'm not waving the flag.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I'm welcoming you in. Because I want to know your story. I want to talk about it. Um, go ahead and, and talk about the other brands, the other things. Because that's, that's yeah history, and, and and it's so important that the stories get told. Because I don't want to lose them. That's right. I want my grandkids and my grandkids' kids to know what their grandfather did for, his, what what his passion was. You right. Know, the, the industry that that actually is paving the road for some of the things that they're going to do in their lives your boys right there you know they're getting to ride atvs just like you did it may Uh never be their solid passion as yours but they'll always have a special place for it because you always had special machines at the house
2: that's 100 percent correct and it's it's pretty cool because the boys they they know what's going on with like the new walsh they know what they they know what these hybrids are we talk about it so you're right when i'm gone whether it's a passion of theirs or not, they'll they'll remember, you know, that what a hybrid was. They'll remember what those two fifty R's were. Um, so I agree a hundred percent. It's 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 like you say. It's just keeping it alive. It's it's absolutely keeping it alive. And speaking of keeping alive, I wanted to tell you something that was pretty cool. Um, that that's happening in several places and, and different groups and different things like that. But um, a couple of friends of mine from one in North Carolina, one in from Georgia, uh Thomas and Kevin. We we all decided to have a uh a 250R uh we called it a 250R enthusiast get together uh down at down at a place in Georgia called the Durhamtown Plantation. Uh we had our first one back in April. It was our our first annual, I guess you could say, and um first time ever and we had, you know, like 45 250R showed up. So uh, and we we expect it to grow, and we just basically copied some of those guys that are. I think it's called the the Legends Tour. They meet out in Little Sahara, and uh, they meet up in Silver Lake in Michigan. And you, again, it's keeping it alive, and that's that's the goal there for sure.
1: Well, next year you're going to have to make sure that I get an invitation so that even absolutely if I get there we could probably sit down and do some type of. Of get together with a group of you and talk to all of you at one time, and yeah, uh, absolutely, and get some photos of some of those machines and and uh, make it a special moment for all of you, uh, you two fifty R enthusiasts, you know.
0: Yeah, for okay. sure, for sure, for sure.
1: Okay, I got to ask this question, and you probably already have answered it for me. Your favorite machine of all time, the one machine. That's that's hands down above the rest of them. You may not own it now. You may own it. Um specific reasons why.
0: Um I mean it's a 250R. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know
2: that part of the answer. You know, you know what? I mean, honestly, it's a cross between a 250R, a I'll will be more specific, a Lager 250R because. I'm not a roll guy. Um, and I'll tell you why, exactly why. For me, they always felt heavy in the butt in the back end when I jumped them. Um, for whatever reason. The other reason was the T-Pin front end on a on a Lager was really super loose, almost like worn out, even when they were new. And I I got used to that loose feel. So, but you know, to not to get too far off that a Lager 250R with a 330 big bore motor. Uh yeah that would be it a lager if i had to to build something you know again i know i'm building a wash right now but it's because of availability you know um but favorite of all time a lager two fifty r cr r five hundred link rear end with a plus four pro tracks and a three thirty uh big bore motor would i would say would be the best the best of the best
1: that would be your dream bike that to- to just sit there and own of all time.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've got that in a in a CRF. Um, and I'll have to say that the only reason why I would put the two stroke above the CRF is just because of that, that fun nostalgia, you know, pinging of a two stroke. But as far as easiness to ride, <laughs> that CRF absolutely blows it out of the water. Blows it out of the water
1: less vibration easier to hold on to you're older that's right i'm older put
2: it put it in third gear and don't change gears you know (laughs) so that's you know and and that's right that's right so that's the that's why honestly that is why i love the crfs they're just easy to ride they've got power for days um but but yeah yeah favorite of all time would have to be the 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 two stroke 250r And it would be a Lager, you know, loaded out. So that's, that's, that's,
1: uh, I'm not going to fault you for that because they're, they're all awesome machines in their own right. And and sure, we all have our favorites and we all have our specific reasons why. Um, Yeah. And uh, depending on what I'm going to do is depend on what my favorite is because.
0: True. True.
1: I've built all of them and I've raced quite a few of them and and ridden them and tested them and uh if we're gonna go concrete racing i'm either riding an ltr uh or a yfz 450r you know
0: yeah, you could yeah. Tell,
1: this is gonna throw you for a loop because at our old shop we had a concrete riding area where I would test almost every machine that we had and the best machines on that concrete was an 88 250R. Uh-huh. Okay, don't ask me why it's different than an 89 or an yeah. 87, but an 88 250R with a mid-range alternate race pipe and a 36 PJ and a pyramid rebuff. That's the only mods on stock tires. That machine would drift on that concrete. So awesome and was just so much fun to ride. And then the LTRs would turn in, inside of the lane, so when you're driving down into the turn, it would pivot so fast and so smooth that your speeds were the only thing that was faster and there was a was a built engine and it didn't turn, but you were still going so fast you forced the turn so that that the, those are the machines in, the, in that environment that I would ride
0: we're having another. Wi-Fi glitch. There we go.
1: How much did you catch of what I said?
2: The, the last thing I heard you say was eighty-eight two hundred and fifty R pyramid reads thirty-six PJ and Paul Turner mid range.
1: I'll repeat it because when in the concrete slab that we had at the shop to ride on, you couldn't get better bikes to drift. That eighty-eight was phenomenal. Stock, yeah, full stock, A arm stock shocks with stock tires. Oh, it would just drift. So awesome. I don't know what the difference between the 89 and the 88 were in that environment. Yeah. The 88 was just better. Um, and LTRs, you could drive so deep into the turn and pivot at speed that you didn't lose your momentum, and it would drive right. out of the turn super awesome. Um, I had a couple of pro riders. <clears throat> you know, just look at me and shake their head and go, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever you could do, you do you. I'm not doing that.
0: Right. Right.
1: And I'm not a pro. I mean, I, I can tell you that I, but I've tested on um, thousands of hours of riding on that facility. And it, it, it's, if you want to go ride in the rough, you know, we could talk about that. If you want to go, right. As I've gotten older, I'm a four stroke guy now solely due to age and injury. Um, sure. When I was younger, you know, I would love the 250R just like everybody else. I don't ride the two strokes as much or as hard because I can't hold on to it. My My right. have some physical limitations that don't allow. Sure.
0: Me. Sure.
1: And, well, know, like when I, it's not as fun when it's not as fun. You don't, I don't want right. to, I'll go test them. I'll go ride them to, for the customers to break them in, check the tuning, do the things that I need to do. I'll even go ride it in environment if that's what needs to happen. But I'm not doing it for fun. I'm doing it because it's that's the portion of the job.
2: Right, it's a job, yeah.
1: You know, but if you want to go have fun, I'll go ride a four stroke, no problem. Because it, it just, I
2: understand. It, just the ease, just the ease of it.
1: It, it just, I just, it, it doesn't hurt as bad, you know.
2: I I understand. I understand. And, and well, I, I'm not for a, me. I got go ahead. I got rid of all I got rid of all my two strokes, believe it or not, and just had the two CRFs. And then back in April when we had the 250R enthusiast get-together, uh, that get-together has now cost me about $25,000 or $20,000 anyway because I, I couldn't stand it. I came back from that ride and all, all those nice two-strokes down there and I had to have another one. So that's why I'm building the wall. So I think it'll be more for taking places like that and just showing it off and and playing a little bit, but – the serious riding and any, any kind of racing, And it'll always be on a four stroke for me at this point. You're still going to race. So yeah, a little bit. I, I do some local stuff. I actually went to a, uh, uh, a muddy Creek local mega series, muddy Creek race, uh, back about three months ago. It was the first time I'd raced outdoors in like 15 years. Wow. And, uh, it, it was so cool because, I mean, I had been riding a good bit, you know, trying to get in shape. And, uh, there was, there was 12 guys there that day and, uh, and I finished second overall. So I was, I was excited to death. Now understand it was not the pro class. It was just the ATV amateur class. And, uh, the kid that beat me was, was a young buck, you know, who's racing in the he races the nationals in, in 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 I don't know what class, but he he was fast and he he got me pretty good. But I got second overall, and I told my kids I was like, "All right, I, I pr- proved all I need to prove. I'm done with this." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But it's it's it was fun. That's for sure.
1: Dustin, I want to say thank you so much for coming on ATV Talk. You you, you you've blown it out of the water for me on this is probably one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had about the history and about, um, ATVs. And, and actually we come down in the same area of, you know, love of the sport and love of the era. Sure. And, um, I'm not talking anything bad about some of the great conversations I've had with the older guys or the younger guys. It, sure. Just, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it to be this awesome. And I want to say, thank you so much.
2: Well, you're very welcome. I've absolutely enjoyed it. It was—it's uh, been a pleasure for sure.
1: Well, we need to—we need to get it scheduled with a group.
2: So absolutely.
1: Be in t- I'll be in touch. You be in touch, and we'll get a group of 250R guys on and talk some 250Rs and uh, razz each other about how we put them together or didn't put them together, and 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 uh, you know let everybody know what it's like to be a 250R builder. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com.
0: Brought to you by Take Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time.
1: San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International